Hello and welcome on in to the PHFL NFL podcast, our week 11 review. Me, uh, Adam, as always, joined by Kai and by Mikey. How are we, gentlemen? All right. Can I quite believe it's week 11 already? I know, we've been doing this for you know a couple of months now. I was uh, Too long on yeah. some people's counts, probably. Uh, far too much Eagles chat, don't you think, Mikey? Not a enough. sentence is far too much Eagles chat. <laughs> well, thankfully this week I've got the Eagles game, so we're only going to have a sentence, Mikey. So. M- Mikey's yeah. comment during the week was, I used to not mind the Eagles until I realised Kai started supporting them. I used to really like them. I, and see, when they won the Super Bowl, I was, I was in Australia at the time, and I was in a bar with loads of Patriots fans, and I remember when they won it, I was jumping up and down and celebrating. And... Now, I just cannot stand them. I really can't. I think that's just it's because I like them. It's, oh, I, I, that's never been, uh, that's never been uh, hidden. That's obviously, my competitive rivalry with Kai has led to that. So, yeah. So, we've managed to talk about the Eagles uh, without it even being the Eagles game yet. So, that's see, impressive. See what he does. <laughs> Mikey secretly likes them. I don't think so. Looking at his face just now, I don't think he does. Uh, but moving on to a game which uh, has some players that I think Mikey does like. Is that a link? I don't know. Is that, that It doesn't matter. Anyway, Thursday Night Football was uh, the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Seattle Seahawks won 28 points to 21. And uh, my main point from this game is uh, I think Carlos Dunlap has maybe improved that defensive line a little bit for Seattle. There was actually some pressures uh, coming from that that defensive line uh, from Seattle and I feel their defence actually has improved a little bit since the start of the season giving Russell Wilson some help and uh, I thought it was a, a fairly good performance from uh, from Seattle to get that win over the Cardinals. Some people might have thought the Seahawks would win that game and others might have thought the Cardinals but uh, Mikey what did you think about that game? Did you get anything to say? I always feel that with the, when we do the podcast on a Thursday, that the previous week's Thursday night football feels like it was forever ago. Oh, it was ages um, ago. Yeah. I, I stayed up to watch it, and I actually ended up being almost two hours late for work the next day. <laughs> um, so let's hope no, no, nobody that I work with listens to the podcast because um, I just told them I, I slept through my alarms. Uh, good game. It was. I, I don't think there was anything vintage about it from either side. Um, First, first uh, touchdown play from the Seahawks was very fast, very efficient. Um, I just nothing really jumped out at me in this game. I, I know what you said about obviously the, the defensive side of the ball from the Seahawks, but I thought that the Seahawks D kept kept the wide receiver core of Arizona quite quiet. Um, highest receiving yards was Larry Fitzgerald was sixty two. Um, just not much really going on. They just couldn't seem to click. I thought that they were going to do the double over the Seahawks this season, but um, Seahawks needed that win, I'd say, more than more than the Cardinals. And you could tell uh, from the start of the game, they, they seemed very up for it. Yeah. Um, like, like you've kind of almost touched on, I think it was a case of... It, it wasn't really a case of the, the Cardinals doing anything wrong. I think the Seahawks were just better. Um, I don't think you could come out of that game as a Cardinals fan or... As a Cardinals player and go, oh, I could have done that better, I could have done that. Obviously, you could have won the game, but it's easier said than done. Uh, I just think the Seahawks probably knew that they needed it for momentum. Um, obviously, to stop their slide and to stop the C- uh, stop the Cardinals' momentum, because uh, they were starting to pull ahead a wee bit. And looked like, like Mikey said, they were gonna um, they were gonna do the double. But I think I think one of the biggest things was obviously having 
a better running back for yep. for the Seahawks. Definitely. I think having Carlos Hyde back made a massive difference because it it gave Russell Wilson something to change. Um and it obviously gave the Cardinals defence something something to think about. Yeah. No interception this week for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I noticed my, that. My yeah. Russell Wilson interception watch has dropped off. Two yeah. fumbles, but Yeah, but no interceptions, that's the important thing there. Uh, the, the rushing game I think was a big difference, as you said. Yeah. Uh, Kai, those 165 rushing yards for Seattle this week, uh, averaging over five a carry for Carlos Hyde, uh, and he got a touchdown as well. And I think when Chris Carson nope. comes back, that's only going to help that running back room. They've also activated Rashad Penny off the physically unable to play list. Perform, week, I think. perform, is it not? Perform, play, whatever. It's I always called. felt that physically unable to perform sounds a bit strange. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, the, also, the most. The most newsworthy thing that came out of this for me, I was totally... They, they started talking about Lumen Field. And I was like, I don't know an NFL stadium called Lumen Field. I was like, this is getting played at CenturyLink Stadium. And it turns out that obviously the, the naming rights for the Seahawks Stadium has changed. I've never heard... Oh. I, they only just started talking about it on Thursday night. So yeah, it's, it's Lumen Field now rather than I didn't CenturyLink. know that. That's bizarre. I don't need to call it CenturyLink because Lumen Field sounds dreadful. Well, that's what sponsorships do to stadiums. Yeah, I know. Uh, if you're in Scotland, everyone I'm sure knows the Tony Macaroni Arena. So I mean, I was, I was going to point out the Hope CBD <laughs> Arena, which is Hamilton's ground. Yeah, there's a lot of strange naming rights for stadiums. The Spaghetti Had, as yeah. someone called it. On <laughs> um, moving over to uh, another game where the stadium is sponsored. Uh, FedEx, I believe, sponsored this stadium. That's a poor like. I know. Stadium, look, look at it. That whole stadium's not sponsored. Oh no, some of them are like Lambo's not sponsored. No, Lambo's Lambo's, but yes, the FedEx field where the, the Washington football team, who are just going away for this game, there's rumours that they're just going to keep that name. Oh, no. They said that it's a strong contender to, to go forward with. Because apparently there's no other football teams in the National Football League, so they're allowed to be called the Washington football team. Never understood that. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, especially with the way, obviously, in... In Britain, we don't really have like team nicknames like this, but in America, all the teams have got some sort of nickname. So you'd have thought they'd have you, something. You'd like to think that like big billion dollar like c- companies or sports franchises have a good marketing team at least. So you've got all these people who are probably on six figure salaries sitting in a big marketing meeting room thinking, right, what can we call this football team that's from Washington? And all they've came up with is the Washington football team. Okay. I just, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. It's I, ridiculous. I mean, Ada suggested with the, uh, with the government being based in Washington, you could come up with some sort of senators or something like that. You know. Well, yeah, the the they've got the Washington Capitals. That's the ice hockey team. Yeah. Obviously, because the uh, DC is the capital of America, even though it's not a state. So, um, yeah, you, you'd like to think that with a place so rich in history if like Washington they'd be able to come up with at least one name that's not the football team I mean, but the Washington you know, Georges could that the, the Washington Georges yeah there we go yeah just change. The, the Washington Presidents something that, like that, that see this I'm... is just off the top of our heads we're not even in marketing and you've yeah. got these marketing so-called experts that have called it the football team yeah let's just move on from that, I, I think angry. I think the fact that we've talked so long about that maybe tells you how much I have written about this game because the major talking point in the game I'll come on to in a minute, but from the actual game itself, there was a very strange play, Mikey's crying, but don't worry, I'm not going to talk about it yet, we'll get to it, but the very strange play in the game, which the three of us were talking about it while it happened, we weren't even sure what was going on, was 
Joe Burrow's running towards the end zone, fumbles the ball. The Washington defense appeared to collect the ball, take it back at the end zone, fumble it, go back in the end zone. They do a touchback, which actually resulted in a safety. And then it turns out it wasn't that because he'd never taken possession of the ball, the defender. The the referee had to take a good few breaths while trying to explain it. Yeah. Usually, like the, the referee, it's maybe like three lines, and that's him. He's he's said the call. Like it was about ten minutes late, and he was still going on about what yeah. had happened, and then he changed it. Yeah, it was like it was, he'd, he'd been reading War and Peace and trying to recite but, it over um, the pitch. I think we need Joe to do a new segment. Melted the, the Washington, uh, the Washington fumble of the week, because after that one that uh, travelled twenty five <laughs> yards against the Giants, I think there's going to be one this week as well. So, yeah, but Mikey, you are crying slightly. Uh, Joe Burrows. It uh, appears to be ACL and MCL that's been torn. See, when you read the the sentence reconstructive surgery, that's just it's when you good. know exactly. I mean, I know me and Kai over the course of the podcast have, have had a war of words when it comes to Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert, but that doesn't mean that Kai doesn't love Joe Burrow because I know he does and I love Justin Herbert as well. And it doesn't matter who it is in the NFL, if you see someone go down like that, it's just horrible to watch. And even even if Burrow didn't win Rookie of the Year, him and Justin Herbert were were putting up numbers for rookies that have never been seen before in the NFL, and they were battling it out. And it was one of the biggest narratives this year in the NFL. It was just amazing to watch. Um, probably say it was expected of Joe Burrow. Probably, I know he was still the sixth round pick, probably a sixth uh, overall pick, but probably a little bit less expected for Herbert to come in and play as well as he has. So, just not nice to see that happen. Um, They've obviously lost a franchise player. But the bit, probably the best thing to come out of it is that with their quarterback struggles now on an already struggling team, could they get a maybe top five pick and maybe bring in an offensive lineman to protect Joe Burrow, um, to protect him for the next five, six, seven years. So hopefully he'll be back for the start of next season and better than ever. Well, there is a worry that he's not. There's, there's talks that he might not be back in time for the start of the season, uh, depending on how long the recovery is going to take. So that shows you quite how... Yeah bad an injury it was because I, I couldn't actually watch it when they started showing yeah, the replay they, sh- I mean, they showed the first replay and then they went away and it was it was quite a while after it was maybe even like an hour later they then got a second replay and they did the classic like red zone thing of right we're going to show you this once if you don't want to see it look away and the way his leg moves it's I, I think we were saying this Mikey I don't know how it doesn't snap we we were all he, saying he like at the time in half. we would rather we would I think we would have rather it it had snapped because a, a leg break is like a Dak a Dak Prescott injury that could be back in six months time still past the end of the season but when it's a an actual bone break it's easier to heal that 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 just was horrific to watch yeah it was really bad uh, that Bengals QB room obviously Ryan Finley um, came in to finish that game for the Bengals which uh, they did they end up losing twenty points to uh, to nine. Um, but they have brought Brandon Allen in. I think he was on the practice squad. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Brandon Allen has been announced as the starter, not not Ryan Finley. It's been rumoured, yeah. It, but either way, you've not it's got a quarterback. Yeah, because obviously Brandon Allen most recently played a few games last season uh, for the Broncos, I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah, so... I think in general, the Bengals are pretty banged up for this week. Obviously, Joe Mixon's on IR. Um, they're going to have Brandon Allen's um, suspected to be playing quarterback. I, I don't know if you saw, but um, Giovanni Bernard sat out of yesterday's practice yep. with concussion. Get protocol. your Simone J. P. Rines ready. 
Um, so uh, his status for um, the game really on Sunday is still up in the air. Anybody playing Kai in fantasy is he has Joe Mixon. He then brought and, in Giovanni Bernard. So <sighs> what's next for you? <laughs> Drop Giovanni Bernard, pick up some Aji Pirine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think or Frank Gore is still available. Penny, as we, as we talked about. <laughs> but uh, that, that maybe means uh, for this coming week, the Giants, you say, might be favourites against the Bengals? I think they would have been favourites anyway, but yeah. I think they're quite heavy favourites now. Yeah. Um, One thing I, I like to see from this game was uh, AJ Green scored a touchdown. I think yep. I think at the start of the season we all expected him or wanted him maybe. Uh, I don't know what fantasy owners in the past know how good a, a, a wide receiver he was, but I think people now understand that they were maybe expecting him to be the wide receiver one in that team and now he's not. But I, I think we spoke about it on previous podcasts. I think he's really grown into his role as kind of that uh, veteran in the, the wide receiver room who's helping the young guys. I think he knows his role as kind of the wide receiver three in this team. And I would have liked to have think, thought, sorry, that um, if Burrow had stayed healthy, then AJ Green maybe would have seen a, an upshare in targets and receptions and maybe end zone targets because he scored his touchdown this week. But again, now that's all back up in the air because you never know what's going to happen with these new quarterbacks in Cincinnati. Yeah, totally agree with you. Uh, just quickly before we move on to the next game, uh, Randy Bullock. I think it's probably my favourite name for a kicker. Um, struck, uh, missed his first run, uh, uh, his, his first field goal. I think he's missed quite a few this season now. I think he's I think probably... He two, uh, two extra points this, year, uh, this yeah. week. Yeah. He, may, he may well be your favourite, um, favourite Adam, but I think he's potentially the worst. Uh, very possibly, yeah. I mean, it, you know it's bad when... Was it week one when he... Um, I can't remember if it was week one. I think it was when he um, yeah. missed missed Chargers. the extra point or the field goal, yeah. and automatically pulled up, holding the opposite leg from the one he used. Yes, to hit the yes, ball. that was very. What mate? At least get it right if you're going to pretend you're yeah. injured. Uh, yeah. All I'll say before we we get to him later is he's no hot rod. No, definitely not. <laughs> I tell you what, he's also no Will Lutz. And Mikey, uh, the next game was Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints, and you were having a look at that for us, an NFC South matchup where. Uh, most of the points in that first half are scored by the kickers until Kamara got his touchdown run just at the end of the second quarter. What do you have to say about that game? Where obviously the main talking point was Taysom Hill was starting at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I I bet the over in this game. I thought this was going to be... I know Drew Brees wasn't playing, but I thought this was going to be Matt Ryan kind of... You know those vintage Matt Ryan losses that he has where he, he yeah. picks up 400 yards and four touchdowns and maybe a couple of interceptions. Um but he was quiet, threw for zero touchdowns and threw two picks as well. Uh, obviously, the main talking point was Taysom Hill. I read before the game that apparently a lot of the, the Saints organisation, players, coaching staff, didn't want him to start. They wanted Jameis Winston to start. Um, not sure what the reason behind that is. That remains to be seen. Um, it might be because Taysom Hill had only thrown 18 passes beforehand. I know, but you, you see from Sean Payton, he's, he's so trusted. I've, I've said this before, I think. Sean Payton is the most creative mind in, in the NFL. I just I just think the things that he does, I, I think we spoke about it uh, on Sunday in, in our group chat, the amount of wildcat plays they play with Alvin Kamara like taking the snap at quarterback and Taysom Hill or, or even Drew Brees in previous weeks out wide. Some of the stuff they play is just really, really cool football. Um, Taysom Hill, 18 for 23, 233 yards. But obviously the main stat points that he had were 10 rush attempts for 51 yards, which led the team more rushing yards than Alvin Kamara. Uh, and obviously two rush touchdowns as well. So it was an all-round, 
I've got my notes. It was an all-round food performance. I don't know if that's because we're getting to Thanksgiving. Uh, all-round good performance uh, after a slow start for the Saints. Uh, but the biggest question I think comes out of this is, we said that if Jameis Winston was going to start while Drew Brees was in IR, this was a, a trial period for him for a, maybe a, a, what Teddy Bridgewater had last season. That doesn't seem to be happening. So I think the main question I've got to ask you two is, is Taysom Hill in a trial for a future starting job in the NFL or is he even seen as a trial for Drew Brees' replacement? No, and here is why. Uh, I think players like Taysom Hill are found out quite easily. Um, in the past, you had players like Tim Tebow and obviously now you've got Lamar Jackson who, when they first come through, they appear to be the best thing since sliced bread with the kind of dual threat, you know, great on the ground and stuff, but eventually teams work them out, and you've seen that, I think, with Lamar Jackson this year. He's not been as good as he was. So I think, I think Tays- Taysom right. Hill here will be great for a couple of games, maybe half a season if he started next year, but then eventually they'll work him out, and you'll have to really improve as a passer. Don't get me wrong, I thought he passed quite well today, uh, sorry, for this game, but over half the targets were at Michael Thomas, so he's fairly reliant on him, you know, and so in my opinion, I don't think he's a starter. Even though this this might be seen as a, a trial, I don't think he'll he'll get the start job. I don't know about Kai's thoughts. Um, I think, like you say, like a, lo- a lot of quarterbacks have got to be very, very good. Or, sorry, a lot of the very good quarterbacks are very good at one thing or the other. Um, and the very best are good at both. Um, I think he's very good at rushing and he's a, he's a threat on the ground and maybe his passing game isn't quite as strong. But... Um, like you say, someone will probably f- find him out eventually. And I think if you take away his rushing threat, he's not strong enough as a as a standalone quarterback. Um, but I, I, if he doesn't stay at the Saints, if if he goes elsewhere, then I, I think he's a very good backup to have or a very good player to have in your roster because he can literally do everything. Um, he can. I was I was going to lead to the the fact that obviously Taysom Hill. Um, I don't know the guy, obviously, but. Uh, you've got to guess that any NFL quarterback, starting or not, is going to want to be a starting quarterback in the future. Um, and he's obviously going to have that mentality. But if he realises, kind of what we spoke about with AJ Green, if he realises his role with the Saints, the, the the weapon that he is for a team, even if you're not a starting player, is massive. Like You can tell that Sean Payton absolutely loves the guy. You, you put him in so many different positions. I think you can play him on offense at least quarterback wide receiver running back and tight end I mean who what that's not dual threat that's quad threat and yes he might not be a starting quarterback but if he if he knows his role whether it's Drew Brees starting next season for the Saints or someone else I think Taysom Hill is going to be a massive weapon for them in any Super Bowl run that they have in the future just obviously looking at the the start line and from from this week do you think if Taysom Hill continues to start it has an adverse effect on Alvin Kamara. Yes, in my because... opinion, in my opinion, Kai, I think teams when it's Drew Brees realize Drew Brees isn't going to run, so they put yeah. less players in the box because they're covering the pass. Whereas here, I think they're more happy to put one on ones with wide receivers, and they'll stack the box with seven or eight players. So even yeah. if it's Kamara running instead of Hill, there's more. There's more up there, to yeah. stop him. Yeah, I'm just because. You, you kind of think if they if they line up with the two of them, if they line up with Kamara in the backfield and um, they run a play action or something like that, and then Taysom Hill breaks out, then Alvin Kamara's not getting the ball as much. But then 
if Alvin Kamara's locked up and they're they're kind of stopping him rushing, then Taysom Hill again has the has the ability to break out and rush. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see who starts over the next few weeks if they stick with Taysom Hill, um, or whether they give um, Jameis Winston a chance at some point. Um, but I think for as long as Taysom Hill starts, I think Alvin Kamara might struggle a wee bit. Yeah. I say struggle. Is yeah. Alvin Kamara, but yeah, like. <laughs> just on the other side of the ball. Uh, obviously, we said that Matt Ryan didn't have a great game, Mikey. But uh, Julio Jones obviously only had two targets, uh, one early on in the game, and then went off uh, with an injury. Came back on, Thank even you. though he had a tight, a, even though he had a tight hamstring. Came back on, caught a pass, and then went. That's me. Back off again. Thanks. Cheers. Right, see you later. <laughs> I, I think my that's this the stage. Uh, Julio, I was about to call him the stage. Julio Jones is that is in his yeah. Obviously, in my opinion, obviously we didn't get to see players like Jerry Rice and Prime Randy Moss because uh, of our age and generations. But to me, Julio Jones is the best wide receiver ever. Like that's just because we are almost similar to and yes, I'll tie it in the the sad news about Maradona passing away. We didn't get to see him fully, so we say that maybe Messi or Ronaldo is the best soccer player ever because we didn't get to see the Pele's and the Maradonas. I think that's the situation with Julio Jones, and he's at that stage now where. Kind of similar to Tom Brady when he went to Tampa. Like, yes, you're going to have some, you're going to get to dictate some of the moves that your franchise makes because you're at that level. And I think Julio wanted to come back in that game. So Julio went back in that game. I don't know if the trainers wanted him to come back at all because now he might be questionable for, for this week. So um, but he's at that stage in his career where he basically does what he wants because he's earned that right. And he is one of the, one of the top five wide receivers to ever play the game. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. Uh, so the Atlanta Falcons have quite a stacked wide receiver room, I'd say, with uh, Jones and Ridley. And the next game, yeah, Kai's getting excited already because he knows my link here. The next game involved a team that also had a stacked wide receiver room, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They oh, were at the oh. Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they won 27 points to three. Mikey, you looked at this game as well. I'll be honest, I didn't see a lot to talk about in this game because it was, it was basically happened as we expected. <laughs> I've just got two kind of rookie stats again. I've spoke about James Robinson in the past. Um, it was a routine win for the Steelers. They, the Steelers only had 106 rushing yards total, which is quite surprising when you're up against the Jags. Um, the, whereas James Robinson went for 73 yards rushing and 21 yards receiving. Um, I think he's about to uh, projected to shatter the undrafted Rookie, uh, the undrafted running back record for scrimmage yards in a season. Um, can't remember who held the record before. But on the other side of the ball, Chase Claypool, uh, first wide receiver in the Super Bowl era with at least 10 touchdowns over his first 10 career games. Yeah. The guy's putting up insane numbers uh, for the Steelers. And as you said, obviously, your your lead into this game. All three wide receivers in this, in this Steelers team are fantasy relevant. You, you would never... It's kind of hard to... I, I have, I know you've got Deontay Johnson and ESPN and I, I myself's got Claypool and you do wonder when you're kind of setting your lineups, who's going to take shares away from who in this game. Obviously you're looking at the secondaries of other teams and what's going to be happening there, but the the fact that they are just oozing confidence just now just shows that they're they're going to throw the ball to anyone and everyone. Eric Ebron got a touchdown as well. Um, I seen a stat the other day, I couldn't find it earlier, and it showed you kind of Steelers' schedule this year that they're playing the whole NFC Eagles division. I can't remember what the East. Playing the whole I think they play the whole NFC East. They've obviously played the Jags. I think they've only played two teams over five hundred this season or something like that. So 
That's why I made the point earlier people, in the season, yeah. Mikey. I was like, I know that they were eight and nine and at that point, you know, and, and whatever are, but I was like, have they? Actually, they've only beaten a couple of really good teams. Yeah, but the thing I like is you. The Steelers don't care about the sixteen and no record. I, I know it will be playing on their minds, and they would love to get it because only two teams in history, actually, one team's only ever done it in the modern era. But you would love. They they just want a Super Bowl. That's all they want. If they if they lose the rest of their games in and finish 10-6 and six and still win the Super Bowl. They will not care. All they want right now is a Super Bowl. Ben, Big Ben's getting old. Maybe only has a couple of years left in him. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a huge window of opportunity for the Steelers this year. But one thing I've seen that I just absolutely loved, and this just shows what the quarterback merry-go-round is. In the I NFL. think I was about to say the Jake, same thing, Mikey, so on you go. <laughs> yeah, so Jake, Jake Luton is going to be benched this weekend for the Jags for Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon get benched in 2017 for Mitch Trubisky at the Bears. Mitch Trubisky get benched for Nick Foles. Nick Foles get benched for Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew get benched for Jake Luton. And Jake Luton has now been benched for Mike Glennon. Uh, so it's unbelievable. It's it gone full circle for Mike Glennon. Uh, I think he was at the Raiders last year. Um, and then obviously joined the Jags this season. It's... It's just you're fighting a losing battle with no offence to Mike Glennon or Luton or Minshew. Obviously, Luton's a, a young rookie who, who's going to make mistakes and Gardner Minshew, you two obviously have your feelings for him. So, uh, a tough quarterback decision to have for the Jags just now, but the more they lose, the closer they get to Trevor Lawrence. So, who I, knows what's going to happen. I have a question, and as I ask this question, I think I've already answered it with another player. But Jake Luton's stat line here includes... A passer rating at 15.5 and four interceptions. And I was thinking, has there ever been a quarterback performance so bad? And I've already answered it before. That's Wentz every week. Well, Nathan Peterman for the Buffalo Bills. I'm sure he threw oh, five interceptions in the first half. It was his debut. Yeah. That was horrific. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I answered my own question there. But yeah, Luton definitely struggled. That was a... An- an NFL debut to end all NFL debuts. Yeah. What a poor guy. Yeah. Um, just like quickly before before we move on, um, what on earth do the Jacksonville Jaguars do? Jaguars, um, if James Robinson gets injured, uh, because that... nobody else rushed the ball this week. Do you think Dari Dari uh, Agumbawali might get some touches? I know he's mainly a receiving back, but uh, I think well, he would need to. Um, but I don't. I think they I think they've kept more so than they have. Aye, that's what I was gonna say. It's not as if they're flying high with him just now. So he's kind of the the diamond in the mud. Do you as think? You would say. Do you think um, that they they would be better if they just didn't play a quarterback and just snap the ball to James Robinson every time? Just keep giving him the ball. Let him do you things. Might as well, you might as well try anything in Jacksonville just now. The the question I was going to ask you is. is I have a comparison to James Robinson, but in in terms of other NFL running backs in the league, who do you compare him most to? That's a good question. Uh, me out with that one. Yeah, it's it's hard because see, when I look at his stature, I look at him and think he reminds me a bit of a Christian McCaffrey. But I know he catches a few passes, but he's certainly not as dual threat as Christian McCaffrey. But just physically, I look at him and I think he looks that kind of shape. Yeah, he's. I don't know. He's quite small, but he's quite stocky. Um, I don't know. I I don't know who. I don't think I could compare him to anyone. Frank really. Gore, the wrong answer. See, not. not <laughs> uh, yes. Frank Gore is never the right answer. 
that I I don't compare him in, in stature or size, but in the way that he plays, he's such a, a downhill running back. I compare him to Derek Henry. I think that the guy is an absolute monster. Obviously, Henry is a physical specimen, but in the way that, that James Robinson plays, in the way that he hits through hits through tackles, um, I would. But that was what was leading me to my next point. James Robinson, if you're an NFL team who's losing games, you're not going to be rushing the ball a lot in the later stages of the game. If you, it, it's a scary thought if you put him on a team. See, even if you put him on the Pittsburgh Steelers, the the, the amount the the amount of target, uh, sorry, the amount of carries that he would get, it's it's a scary sight. It's it's a shame to see players on such losing teams like James Robinson and the Jags are. Frank Gore on the Jets, but it's um, it's just one of those things where you think if he was on a winning team, this guy would be even more of a monster than he is just now. Yeah, that's very true. I think I, I'd agree there. Um, moving on to a team who oh, I was going to say moving on to a team who are winning, but they're not. Both of these teams have got losing records. Uh, the Houston Texans were at home to the New England Patriots. The Texans won 27 points to 20. Um, talking about teams that like to rush the ball, you know, New England uh, they've got Sony Michelle coming back off of uh, off of the IR. They had uh, Damien Harris doing some running. Um, James White had some carries as well as some catches. But the big news for them in this game, uh, in terms of injury, was Rex Burkhead, uh, who went down like a kind of flat like a pancake <laughs> when I was watching the highlights. He just down and did not move. Um, yeah, it was he had only four attempts before he. Uh, before he went down, um, but I mainly want to touch on the other side of the ball, uh, where I think Houston are, though they are they don't have a great record. <laughs> um, I've always thought that Houston were actually an all right team. Uh, their record's three and seven, but I think they're a better team than that record suggests, and I think they're kind of coming into their own a wee bit more now. I know they don't have David Johnson in the running back room. They only rushed for 55 total yards and 36 of those were Deshaun Watson. And the main point I brought from this game was that Deshaun Watson rushing touchdown when he lowered the shoulder on that Patriots defender like and melted yeah, someone. trucked him right into that end zone. That was amazing. That was prime Cam Newton. That was prime Cam Newton against Cam Newton's team. Like that, The way that Cam Newton kind of moved in his MVP season is what Deshaun Watson did in that play. Yeah, that was amazing. But 27-20... Uh, Cam tried a Hail Mary right at the end which is actually, I think it was caught I'm not quite sure if it was classed as a, caught, a catch but definitely Izzo it was caught, yeah. Yeah, uh, caught the ball but it was you know about 10 yards short of the end zone but, uh, but yeah, it, it, in the end it was closer than I think it should have been if that makes sense I thought the Houston Texans were fairly comfortable, maybe, maybe the scoreline didn't suggest it but I, I always fancied the Texans to be winning that game uh, and they did that's all I have to talk about in that game. Does anyone else want to say anything before I move on to the next one? <laughs> I actually thought it was a, a very entertaining game. Yeah, it was, but I didn't I I feel like gonna, yeah, points. I was going to say, I was just going to curse on uh, curse on Deshaun Watson because I was playing against him this week in fancy. Not that it made any difference, how but he was all right. How many points did he have? 24. Oh. Yeah, 24 were. points at halftime, yeah. so at that point, I'm pretty sure I messaged you both saying my matchup was over. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. no, that was like yeah, six minutes past seven. Like and I <laughs> six minutes. After I didn't recover yeah. from that. Um, Straight um, up, I knew I was done. Sure. Um, mainly no, because think... everyone but one of my players was playing at that time, and I was already projected to only get about a hundred points. So 
that's how my I think what, what you said about the Texans is Adam is true that I think they're an excellent team and they've got really really good individual players I just think that Bill O'Brien dug them into a hole over the past couple of years that they've kind of struggled to and they will continue to struggle to get out of um, you wonder again if Hopkins was still in this team they wouldn't have a losing record well, yeah, like, just, just going to say yeah. that I don't think they've recovered from losing him a regular weekly check up on who won that trade uh, I mean, I'm starting, to, starting, starting to maybe change my decision. I, I'm still um, going to go with the Cardinals at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, just the fact that it's the the Texans. It wasn't just the Hopkins. The, Bill O'Brien has just made some very, very because he was head coach, but he was also the became the GM, the manager, or GM, like yeah, the GM, yeah, general manager, and um, he has he's dug them into a hole. I don't know if he was maybe just a just support someone else and just spend a couple of years <laughs> destroying the Texans so that the team at eSports could maybe try and get close to a Super Bowl. But um, hopefully that they, they'll, I don't know, Cronell probably won't stay on next season, but hopefully they can find a good head, head coach, maybe a, a college coach uh, like Urban Meyer or something like that. But That would they, be exciting. That would be exciting. Yeah, they have all the pieces there to, to challenge. They've, they've been a playoff team for the last couple of years. They had the beating of the, uh, the Chiefs uh, at Arrowhead before that massive comeback so the pieces are there it, and obviously they're going to have a high draft pick this year so they might be one well, no, no, no they're not because remember they've traded that pick away traded to Miami oh, Dolphins, the Dolphins. <laughs> nah they'll be on 16 next year, so they'll they'll 16 next year the, the, the one thing I would say before before we obviously move on to another game is I cannot help but look at Romeo Cronell and compare him to see the office lady in Monsters Inc yeah uh-huh. yeah I, I just I'm constantly think he looks like her. He doesn't look like a Romeo seriously. to me. He doesn't look like a Romeo. That's... No, if you looked at him and were to pick a name, I don't think yeah. Romeo would come to I'm mind. Picturing an, I'm picturing an Abercrombie uh, Fitch model. Aye. <laughs> yeah. well, no offence to Romeo, because I'm... I bet he's a specimen. Uh, we, we, move on, we move on from a, a game where we were fairly impressed with uh, Deshaun Watson's quarterback play to a game where... I don't think we were impressed with a huge amount of the quarterback play. Um, that was the Philadelphia Eagles at the Cleveland Browns. And everyone will be glad to hear it was me watching this game and not Kai. So you don't get Kai's Eagles chat for four and a half hours like normal this week. It's almost, it's almost as if we've, we rigged the draw of yeah, the games. Almost as if we did. Uh, half, not because I don't get to talk about them, just because they're rubbish. <laughs> so here are my points. I mean, I will <laughs> let Kai talk for about 10 seconds, but here are my points on the game, okay? Cleveland won the game 22 points to 17. The weather for a third game in the row at Cleveland was absolutely shocking. Um, There were no offensive points in the first half at all, which is horrendous. Um, The only points were a a pick six uh, from Carson Wentz uh, right at the start of the game. I think it was, if not his first, it was very close to his first pass. Uh, And he he also had an interception right at the end of the game, Wentz, when they were... uh, uh, up near the, the goal line trying to come back in the game. Um, the struggles for the Eagles continued because Miles Sanders had a fumble basically on the goal line uh, early on in the game. Carson Wentz was tackled in the end zone, his own end zone, and had a safety. Um, yeah, the Eagles weren't great, but for Cleveland, yet again, Mayfield passed less than 26 times. And that means that Cleveland win the game because you had uh, Chubb running for 114 yards on 20 attempts. Kareem Hunt was surprisingly inefficient. He had less yards than the attempts, 11 yards from 13 attempts. But Chubb had a 
huge 50-yard run where it looked like he was going to get tackled and just brushed the guy off and broke right through the line. And then I think the main rush we want to talk about was Kareem Hunt's leap like a salmon over those defenders. He was walking on air. <laughs> it was. It was. Hey, you should be able to jump that high and stay in the air for so long. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But uh, the the passing game obviously was fairly non-existent for Cleveland, uh, as it is. As I think they wanted. Just to, to go be. back to that stat you said, Adam, the the Baker Mayfield one is he undefeated when thrown under twenty odd times? I think they've only lost once when he passes less than twenty six times. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, I'll need to get the exact thing, but it's either zero losses or one loss. Basically, if they, he hardly passes, yeah. <laughs> they win the game. Um, but who he was passing to before this game? Had any of you heard of this uh, wide receiver Hodge for the Browns? No idea who he was. No, I had no idea either, but he was the uh, leading receiver. Is, is that... No, never heard of him. No, no exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe tells you what was going on there. But uh, but Kai, you have exactly 14 seconds to discuss uh, the Eagles. Um, either absolutely dreadful. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the one, the the one, sorry, one, the two things I would say that have become glaringly obvious from this season is was is mainly around the draft. It's become very clear that someone. I can't remember who. Someone decided that drafting Jalen Rieger before Justin Jefferson was a good idea. Because um, we passed off Justin Jefferson to take Jalen Rieger. Not saying Jalen Rieger's bad, but come on. like Justin Jefferson's been up there as Rookie of the Year this year. And it has become very apparent that we just drafted Jalen Hurts without really having any sort of idea what to do with him. Nobody had a plan on him sitting behind Carson Wentz for a period of time and then becoming the starter. It's kind of become a bit chaotic. Kind of feel sorry for the guy. Don't know what he's. I don't know what Carson Wentz has got to do to get dropped. Well, that's the point game. I was going to bring up, Kai, because Doug Peterson's had an interview. I don't know if you've he, seen the transcript. He for faltered. Him. Yeah, he faltered Where he, when he was asked. He said, now "Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I read that he was asked: uh, Are you thinking of changing the quarterback?" And he says, no, not at this point. Not today, no, we're not thinking about that. And go, what about for Monday night? And there's a kind of like a... Uh, uh, and he says, so is, is Carson... And then, and, yeah, and then he, then he was asked, so is Carson your QB for Monday? And he's like, yes. But there was that kind of uh, no, no mm, sort of thing in the middle. So he was at, after his initial hesitation, sorry, I've just found the exact thing. Uh, he said, I think about a lot of things. Uh, the question was, is Carson my starter? He is my starter. End of story. You guys can blow up however you want. Uh, Carson Wentz has come out and said he's preparing the same way. If He un- he was asked directly if he understand that he's starting on Monday night, and he said yes. So, right, so I've just I, got one question for you. Kai, would you play Carson Wentz? In, in a game against someone like the Seahawks, I would feel very sorry for Jalen Hurts if he chucked him in there. So I yes, you start with a, a, ba- a baptism of fire, you right? Imagine, you imagine Peter, uh, Doug Peterson comes out and says, "Yeah, Hearts is our guy for the rest of the season." Seattle at Green Bay, New Orleans Saints at the Cardinals, and then at the Dallas Cowboys, and then another uh, division game against Washington. Yeah, you, you can't throw the guy into that. No, that's I, I think you've got to play. No, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not. That's what I mean. Is when I say there is no plan on how we get him in. Yeah, in our QB but, rankings, but, I ranked Wentz quite highly. I don't know what's going on. I think he's better than how he's playing. I don't know what's happening 
with them at the moment, but I think I, I would give them think... some sort of dues in in the sense that that offensive line has changed every week, and and not just through injuries. Injuries have played a part, but for some reason, um, we keep changing it up. We can't seem to work out who we want to play at right the... guard. We keep switching it up, and then to make matters worse, throughout all this, the <laughs> The one player that's never faltered is Jason Kelsey, and he went out injured for a period on Sunday night. And I think that's when I really worried because if you ever don't want to lose someone, it's him. I think even if you you make the playoffs, you you know that this season's kind of been injury plagued and a bit of a bust. So I wouldn't judge Carson Wentz on on this season alone. You've seen the kind of stuff he can do in the past, and hopefully for Eagles fans that he can bring up that form in the past because he was in before that injury the, the year they won the Super Bowl he was the MVP there was no denying that the, before that injury if he'd stayed healthy he would have been the MVP um, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not pushing the boat on Carson Wentz just yet as much as I like Jalen Hurts from, from college but hopefully whatever happens this season let the Eagles rest up and who knows what will happen next season with Carson Wentz because I still see him as a, an elite level quarterback he's just making some silly mistakes because they're under a lot of pressure this season but yeah. um, to go on to what Kai said about the, the Jalen Rieger I've seen a, a video on Good Morning Football of <clears throat> the Minnesota Vikings had the pick after the Eagles and after the Eagles took Jalen Rieger there was a video of Mike Zimmer and all the Vikings staff and coaches and scouts going crazy because they knew that Justin Jefferson was still on the board and before they even announced that the Vikings were on the clock they were like punch it in <clears throat> excuse me they were like punch it in Justin Jefferson we're taking him like there's no doubt about that and you just think if Carson Wentz had a weapon like Justin Jefferson this season could be a, a whole lot different for them yeah yeah well I mean the, the the thing about Carson Wentz that I would say obviously I'm I'm not pushing him out right and you know what he's capable of but at the same time as like as a franchise that in such recent history has done so well, it seems like ever since then, from 2017 onwards. Um it's not really been that exciting the past couple of years. They're not you know what we you could understand it if we were at least playing good football and losing games because teams were playing better, but we're not playing well. It's not even good to watch. Like even the games we're winning, we're scraping through to win them and we're doing them against doing it against teams that have bad records yeah well i think um, i think uh we talk like this about the eagles most weeks and i'm sure after this coming week when they've played against the seahawks you'll get to moan about them again kai yeah so i mean at least if they get beat this week then it's justifiable because uh, it's against someone so, that's so actually we, good we can move from a team who has been struggling with injuries in the philadelphia eagles to teams who also had some injury problems carolina panthers at home to the detroit lions kai you were looking at this game i'm hoping this is a fairly quick one uh, Carolina won 20 points to a big fat zero for Detroit Matt Stafford's first of his career This was probably the worst game I've had to look at um, and I looked at the Texans-Browns game last week so <laughs> that's saying something um, Yeah, only the second shutout of the season so far um, Lions were very, very, very poor uh, I think they missed DeAndre Swift they only had 40 total rushing yards Um Obviously, you know the capabilities of Adrian Peterson, but he's he's getting on a wee bit, so he's he's not quite as capable of of going the distance and being the lead back for a period of time. Um, and obviously, they were behind. <laughs> they were behind for most of the game. Sorry. Um, 
so it wasn't it wasn't seeing much action. Uh, um, the offensive line for <laughs> the Detroit Lions, I wouldn't put this down to the the Panthers' pass rush or whatever because I don't think it's it's anything magically special. But uh, the offensive line gave up five sacks on Stafford. You're never going to win a game if you're letting that happen. No. Um, I'll come on to PJ Walker at the end of this. I'll let Mikey talk about him because I know he likes him. Panthers, I would say, got off lightly because I don't think they played very well. Um, they just happened to be playing a team that was even worse. Uh, they they didn't look as if they had any... Again, I said that. I think I said this last week. Without Christian McCaffrey, the Panthers have no punch. They... They can't, if, if they're struggling passing the ball, I'm not saying they did this week, but if they're maybe being, being kind of found out through the air, they, they don't seem to have the punch on the ground in Mike Davis, um, the same way they do with Chris McCaffrey. So the quicker he's back for the Panthers, the better. Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater's back this week. Um, so that uh, we'll, we'll, see how, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, the the big big talking point in the story of the day for this one was, was PJ Walker, who... You can't really fault him, to be honest. He got the win, did what he had to do. Um, and then I'll let Mikey talk about him. Cause... Yeah, 30 seconds on PJ Walker, Mikey. On you go. Oh, right, okay. <clears throat> uh, just everything about him, I love the guy. I know he threw a few interceptions. That was always going to happen in a, in a first start. Maybe a bit of nerves, some silly mistakes. But um, was waived 12 times from NFL teams in the past. He was on the coach practice squad. And then... Andrew Luck really liked PJ Walker uh, and endorsed him to start in the XFL to his dad. Uh, Andrew Luck's dad was the commissioner of the XFL. Uh, they're now defunct, but hopefully going to come back XFL. Um, played for the Houston Roughnecks and um, I think he threw 15 touchdowns in three games or something like that. He was probably going to become the MVP if, if COVID-19 hadn't uh, destroyed the season. So really glad to see him. He was the first ever player drafted from the XFL uh, in both XFL times. Obviously, there was one in the early 2000s. So, um, it's come in, has bided his time, has took his opportunities. And yes, Teddy Bridgewater might be back next week, but regardless of what happens, delighted to see PJ Walker play this week. I was I was ecstatic for him. Yeah, I thought he played quite well. I was, quite, I was impressed with him in the XFL. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm glad that he played well in the NFL. Just quietly on the XFL, I believe that The Rock has now bought the XFL, hasn't he? He has, yes. Yeah. So that He's, could be interesting. Because uh, he, he put up a video of him announcing it and he had all the different uh, XFL helmets behind him. Uh, hopefully, because the, the XFL, when it first started in 2000, was ridiculous. It was it was awful. Um, and they, they totally repackaged it and revamped it for last year. And it was really starting to take off. It was some clever rules that they had. But... Uh, Hopefully it'll be able to go again because it's, it's given people a platform to maybe make it to the NFL, which is what's needed for players who maybe didn't go to college or was playing in the, the AAF or whatever it's called. Yeah. So hopefully it can continue and people like PJ Walker can get a chance in the NFL. I, I must say the one rule that I really liked in the XFL, just quickly touching on it before we move on, was after a touchdown, there's no point after try. You either uh, have to throw for one, two or three, depending on where you start. You can And you can pick however any... Yeah. Want to point um, any points, but there's there's no kicking after uh, a touchdown, which I thought would, uh, would absolutely flourish in that league. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, uh, no blanking chip though. Who would really like that would be unfortunate. So, but but yeah, um, Kai, you were looking at the 
next game as well, which was Baltimore Ravens at home to the Tennessee Titans. Titans won that in overtime, 30 points to 24. Slightly more exciting than the Carolina-Detroit game, would you say? Just a touch, yeah. I would say there was maybe a little bit more to talk about in that one. Um, I actually had some sort of meaning as well. The Lions-Panthers game kind of felt like a dead rubber. I know that's weird to say six weeks before the end of the season, but neither of the teams are really going to push for anything no, um, no. based on their records in the division. Um, the Lions looked as if they were going to start well, but kind of fell away. But um, the one thing I would say about this game before I go on to talk about it was I don't actually think the Titans were that good for three of the four quarters I agree in this game. You. I think it looked like the Ravens were probably going to not really get out of second gear and still win it. Um, I don't think it was a vintage uh, Tannehill or Derek Henry performance until the fourth quarter. Uh, but I'll come on to that. Um, the start with the Ravens. Don't think they play very well against tough opposition. Um, you've obviously seen it against the Steelers. Uh, and then obviously now against the, the Titans as well. Um, in these last six starts, Lamar Jackson's not broke 100 for his passer rating, which is a bit of a worrying sign for a quarterback. Now, I know obviously he's he's not seen he's not seen as a pass-first quarterback. I don't know if that's even a thing. Um it's, it's probably not a good sign for the Ravens. I think they, they could do with him maybe starting to to find his feet in terms of passing. Um, the question is, who does he pass to? Well, it would appear that Des Bryant is uh, who he was passing to this week. Right. The second most receptions behind Mark Andrews, obviously, but um, it's nice to see Des Bryant back for a wee bit. I think he could be quite a valuable uh, option for the Ravens because it doesn't look like Hollywood Brown wants to do anything. Nope, he was uh, swiftly dropped from a fantasy team a couple of weeks ago because he'd done absolutely nothing. I mean, he had three targets on Sunday night, and he didn't haul any of them in. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if it's a reflection on him or whether it's just a reflection on the system in Baltimore. Because as I've said before, they're quite a run-heavy team. But uh, I think he needs to to maybe start looking to to bring himself to the forefront uh, of the receivers. J.K. Dobbins had a good game, I thought. Um, I know, obviously. 70 yards and a touchdown, it's it's a it's a good return um, in terms of what, managing the game. I think they did well to to get him involved. Um, obviously not well enough. I know Mikey was quite excited because he thought Patrick Ricard had finally managed to get a touchdown to put him up there on the the number one running back uh, in cool. ESPN, but it was it was swiftly pulled back. Um, but to to move on to the Titans. As I say, don't think they were very good through three quarters. And then I don't know if it was a case of them starting to turn the style on a wee bit or whether it was the Ravens switched off and kind of tried to see the game out in the fourth quarter. Um, but 89 of Derrick Henry's 133 yards came in the fourth quarter in overtime. Yeah, well, I, I think to answer your question, it's more to do with the fact that Tennessee turned it on because... Uh, Ryan Tannehill has now got five game-winning drives this season. Yeah, I mean, he seems to absolutely love just teasing people with the fact that they might lose and then he, he kind of drags them back into it towards the end. Yeah. Um, but if if you're ever going to let somebody get you back into a game, 
Derek Henry's the guy you want to get the ball because he just seems to he, he, he finds space that isn't really there but he also creates space for himself by just running into folk um, I think the Ravens will probably be very disappointed they threw this one away because um, I, I would say they threw it away I think it was very much theirs to, to lose going into the last quarter um, and they let the Titans back into it um, the Titans had to win that game um, from the perspective of uh, I don't know if other people saw it I know obviously we spoke about it was what the Titans did at the start of the game when they had a wee team huddle uh, right in the middle of the, the field on top of the Ravens uh, logo and then I, I can't remember who it was, uh, but then proceeded Jim Harbour. to. Jim Harbour. He wanted all the but, smoke, man. He wanted. Uh, he he was he was right up and amongst it, um, right in their faces, and he was getting quite a bit of um, quite a bit of back chat from from one of the Titans players. Um, Malcolm so Butler it, and Adrian. Was Brown. it Malcolm Butler? Um, I think he yeah. would have looked pretty. They, the Titans would have looked pretty silly if they'd lost that game uh, after going on like that, but. Um, if you're a Ravens fan no, I'm not saying be worried right? they're still a very good franchise they're a very good team got a lot of good options but I don't think you would be as happy with the way the season's gone as you probably anticipate well, if, if, the season, if the season ended just now Kai they're not getting in the playoffs well exactly they're third in that division behind the Cleveland Browns after Lamar last season you're, 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 you're thinking of nothing else than a Super Bowl appearance, maybe not a Super Bowl, but you're thinking we're getting to where the the AFC runs through us. You're maybe not thinking that the Steelers comes through the way they did this season. You know the Chiefs are going to be up there, Titans as well, and they're they're just there's no other way to put it. They're struggling massively just now, and it obviously doesn't help that their game tonight. This is obviously recorded on Thanksgiving Thursday. Their game tonight against the Steelers has been postponed until Sunday because the I think the whole running back room's tested positive or been in close contact. So it's just. It's, it's. I wouldn't say it's panic time, panic stations for the, the Ravens because they can still turn it around. I think last season, at the midway point, they were actually not doing too well and they won every game in the rest of the regular season. So they have that capability. But yeah, it's it's not panic stations, but it's slightly worrying to see what's going on with them. Yeah, I think I think the Ravens have fined a staff member uh, for breaching uh, kind of COVID protocols because I think he's been not wearing yeah. a mask and been hanging about places he shouldn't have been. And they believe that's where the spreads come from because I think there's nearly half a dozen player or half a dozen players and similar number of staff members as well who have been put certainly on the, the COVID I list. I spoke about this. Uh, I've got a friend, Ahan, who's a fan of the show, so I'm going to give him a shout out. Uh, he's a Steelers fan. And I was talking to him about the fact that this game has been rescheduled from Thursday to Sunday. And he's not happy about it. Uh, a lot of the Steelers players have came out and said that they're not happy about it. Juju and Chase Claypool. Um, have came out and, and Eric Ebron have said it's ridiculous because a lot of teams have just had to kind of next man up mentality. Um, I think we kind of seen it with a bit of the Packers 49ers game and yeah. I think the Steelers are a bit, they feel a bit unjust that A, it's a primetime game on Thanksgiving that their fans are losing. I know there's no fans in the stadium but it's, it's a big game and it's been rescheduled just to a Sunday 6 o'clock slot. So do you think it was the right call to move it? I know that NFL is just trying to navigate through these difficult times but do you think it was the right decision to postpone it or do you think it should have been next men up for Baltimore? I have to say, I proud is the wrong word, but I'm very impressed with Roger Goodell because it wasn't like the NFL, it was actually Roger Goodell himself who made the decision because he has picked player slash public safety 
over money because that game uh, on on, yeah that game prime time Thursday night game on Thanksgiving would have been I, I, know, I know I know. technically you still get money either way you know like the deals are all made and stuff but really that's huge on the telly but he's went no for, for player safety I think this is slightly different than some of the other games because some of the other games the players have they've all then done tests and there's been a, a day or a couple of days that no one's been tested positive for the team whereas at the moment the Ravens are still getting people who have tested positive so it's still an active outbreak it's not like it's been curtailed that they're, they're, they still okay, think it's yeah. there so I think to delay it a couple of days just to find out, right, there's no more spreading about here. Because what could happen here is the Ravens play, they spread it to the Steelers, and then the Steelers have to shut themselves down. So I think I think for the safety of the league, I think it was the right decision, in my opinion. The one thing that I didn't mention about this week, sorry, about this game this week, and it was probably one of the points that, obviously, in our chat that flagged up, uh was when AJ Brown caught the ball on about the 10-yard line and everyone thought, that's it, play's blown up, that's it. And then it, it turned into some sort of like superhuman and dragged about three guys with him that as was he impressive. ran 10 yards um, with, a, with a defender on his back. Uh, but I, I, I was looking at the... I found the photo of him and DK Metcalf together and to have the two of them on the same team is scary. It's. It would be, oh, imagine you come up against the two of them. Like you, there is not a hope that you are you're stopping them. The size of. <laughs> yep. Uh, anything else to bring up on that game? I don't think so. I think we can move on. Um, I think I've made the executive decision for the PHFL podcast that the delay of the game was the right decision for player safety. Uh, I'll agree. I'll say nothing on it, but I also agree. Yeah. Tough decision to make. I agree. Um, the next game, Mikey, you were having a look at it. Um, it was the battle of the running backs that uh, Adam Gase really likes as Frank Gore <laughs> was up against Kalen Balage, uh, the Jets versus the Chargers. Um, I'm not going to spoil the predictions for this game, but somebody predicted uh, it wrong. And the, <laughs> the Chargers ended up winning the game 34 points to 28. Mikey, what do you have to say about this game, apart from the fact that Justin Herbert, I think, breaking the record for the number of games that a rookie's passed for over 300 yards and two touchdowns or something like that? I'll, I'll keep this one short because uh, we, we spoke about Herbert previously on today's podcast and we kind of ran that Baltimore one over talking about the Steelers game uh, this week. So um, actually, I know I, I said last week I thought the Jets were going to win this game because I'm, I'm not sold on the Chargers, but the Jets did run them close. It was a one-score game in the end. Um, that... One thing I can't stop thinking about, and obviously Joe Flacco's going to be thinking about it, is after the Jets team uh, turned the ball over and got the ball back to Joe Flacco, he threw a pick six on his own 10-yard line. It was just a, a ridiculous mistake to make, and that's uh, obviously cost him the game. But um, I'll just brush through my point. Justin Herbert, he's putting up Andrew Luck rookie numbers. Like that's, There's no other way. Him and Joe Burrow were both doing it. The thing is, Herbert is now going to continue to do it for the next four, five, six weeks. Um Seems to be a lock for rookie of the year. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, unless I know I've said before, there's politics in the league, so um, the quarterback usually does win it. Uh, the other one, Jets. Uh, any Jets fans? I know that your brother Adam's a Giants fan, so he will enjoy hearing this. Uh, yes. They've obviously officially been eliminated from playoff contention, the first team this season. Um, 
So no final playoff push for Frank Gore. And the last quote, I, I, I spoke about this to Kai in our group chat, and I just want to ask you as well, Adam, do you think Keenan Allen is a top five wide receiver in the league? This week he had 19 targets for 16 receptions, which was his career best, 145 yards and a score. So do you think he's a top five wide receiver in the league? Um, He's very close. If he's not in there, you know, you've got players like, I still think like Julio Jones, you know, is up there, you know, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. But certainly I think Allen, Allen's up there. Um, A lock for top 10? Definitely in the top 10, yeah. But he's very close to being up there. Obviously, I yeah. think it was last season he had a bit of this. more of a down year, but certainly he had a, a yeah. really good year a couple of years ago, and this year again, I think he's shown just how good he is. Well, this is what I um, this is what I asked Kai. Do, do you rank Thielen over Keenan Allen? Well, that's a good question. I think they're very close. I probably would rather have Keenan Allen. Yeah, I think the thing is as well is yes, you had no no disrespect to Philip Rivers, but you had an aging quarterback with Keenan Allen, and Keenan Allen's still young, and I don't even think he's hit his prime yet, and this partnership with, I love the trio. The the trio as a Green Bay fan, you've got Rodgers with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. And for the Chargers, they must be so excited that they've got Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler. Kalen Balaz. Phenomenal, oh, you don't, you don't mean Kalen Balaz. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Austin Eckler and then Keenan Allen as well with Mike Williams. The, the, the Chargers, I know I've said I'm not sold on Anthony Lynn, but the, the Chargers have so much to be excited about for their future. There's good defensive line. They've got Bosa as well. They've got players on the defensive side that have been out for the season. I, I would go as far to say that I think the Chargers could be a playoff team come next season. You've got Hunter Henry at tight end, and I really like Hunter Henry. I think he could be like a Kelsey-type tight end. Massively underrated. Massively underrated. So uh, there's on both sides of the ball, there's so much to like about this Chargers team. I'm not sold on Anthony Lynn, but if he finishes with a respectable record this season, would not be surprised if Herbert carries him to, to a playoff uh, spot next season. Yep, I think I totally agree with you. About, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, Mikey, like, see how you always talk about, obviously you're a Green Bay fan, but you always say you really like the Cardinals and you like Kyler Murray and stuff like that. I feel like that's the way I feel about the Chargers, is that as much as I'm, I'm an Eagles fan, I'll always kind of have a soft spot for the Chargers. Obviously, I, like, I really like Justin Herbert, but they're just a really good team to watch, I think. And like you say, um, for seasons to come, I think I think they could be could be a very good team. Yep, totally, um, totally agree. I, they, I wouldn't go as far to say as they are, they are a few pieces. I think they maybe need some more protection on the offensive line. Uh, I think they maybe someone to help uh, Bosa as well, but they are two or three pieces away from being a genuine Super Bowl contending team with the, the kind of uh, the hype around all their young players. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised, especially moving to SoFi Stadium now as well. When fans start to come in, it's, it's a really, really good time to be a Chargers fan. Yeah, um, one team who I'm not sure it is great to be a fan of them at the moment, even though they won this week, is the Denver Broncos because they've got the Chiefs, the Chargers, who we think is going to improve, the Raiders who are doing really well in that division. That's a tough division for those Denver Broncos, but they did win this week against the Miami Dolphins, 20 points to 13. Mikey, you were looking at this game as well for us. What's your thoughts on that game? Obviously, Tua, uh, probably the big point that Tua was dropped halfway through the game? Yep. Um, we thought it was injury-related at the start, but Brian Flores came out after the game and said it, it was performance-related, uh, which might come as a bit of a shock, but we've spoke about this with in different scenarios in previous podcasts. When Alex Smith came back, 
we we almost wanted to see him get hit so that you know that he's he's ready for it. I think Tua needed this loss. Everyone was expecting him to win this game. I think we all pred- uh, predicted him to win. I think this is really, and especially after Tua said that he thought it would be a lot uh, a lot harder. This game has definitely kept him grounded and. It's not a massive loss for the Dolphins franchise at the moment. So I know they wanted to continue their momentum and maybe go for a, a, a deep playoff push. But I think this was needed for Tua because I think I know they've got a, a tough schedule coming up, I believe. But um, And they obviously play the Bills again and they're looking for this this playoff uh, wildcard spot. But the, this was a massive game for Tua. I think he needed to learn from, from the mistakes that he made. Um, Fitzpatrick... Couldn't find his kind of usual Fitz magic towards the end. I know he threw an interception on a late drive when they were only down by seven, but the Broncos' D were excellent this game. This kind of felt like the, I'm not saying that they're a, a playoff or a Super Bowl contending team, but this felt like the kind of Von Miller-style Broncos' D of old uh, in this game. They, they they contained what's been a really, really good uh, Dolphins offense just uh, of late. So I'm not, again, not really sold on the Broncos. I, I think they're kind of, especially in that tough division, because... As I've been very high praise about the Chargers and I really like the, the Raiders this season and the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs for years to come. So they're in a tough division, but a, a big win for them to keep the fans happy. Um, but I think they're just a very middle-of-the-road team just now. I have two points quickly to make. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for more passing yards and more completions in the last 10 minutes of the game than Tua did in the first 50 minutes of the game. And... For my wonderful Claire, who may be listening or may not be, sorry when you asked for advice on whether you should sit Melvin Gordon uh, in fantasy this week. Uh, he, he did end up getting 84 yards and two touchdowns. Thankfully, it didn't affect your game. You'd have lost anyway. Uh, but who to? Uh, someone, I think I think his name's Mikey? I don't know who he is. Uh, he can't be that good. Um, but yeah, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I feel bad. Yeah, I think the Dolphins will be kind of glad to to get to out of that one and just kind of not dent his confidence. And I'm not saying it will have dented his confidence, but I think, like you say, he probably needed to be brought back down to earth a wee bit, um, and he, he needed something to to kind of keep him level headed because, like you say, he goes out and says he thinks it would be harder, and then he goes and loses. Uh, it looks a bit silly on him, so probably a good call to take him out. Um, and not force anything too much more to make his performance much worse. Uh, I think the Dolphins will be glad to get Miles Gaskin back at some point as well. I think he was activated off IR this week. Um, don't think he's in line to play this week. I think they're looking probably more towards next weekend um, before they get him back in, but you never know. Uh, but I think when he's back in, Tua kind of starts... Um, firing the way he was firing last week I think the Dolphins have still got a lot to look forward to Yeah, um, and I think yep. there's, still, there's still a good chance they, they make a push for the playoffs but like you say they've got a tough schedule to come so so, uh, so as you were saying you've got Gaskin coming back for the Dolphins uh, to help improve that run game two run games that are really good are the Minnesota Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys and Kai you were looking at that game uh, the battle yep. of Cook versus Elliott in the end it was Ezekiel Elliott and his Dallas Cowboys that won the game 31 points to 28 um, uh, let's try I know this is an unusual thing for Kai but a nice brief discussion on this game this was probably game of the week I, I know but we'd, I think it, uh, though it was a really good game uh, we can keep our points succinct 
Um, yeah, okay. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> also... That's that's. That's Adam's uh, producer saying that we've got time restraints and you need to hurry it up, Ken. <laughs> Summoning Adam, dear. Um, no, as, as I say, I think this was potentially game of the week um, in terms of how exciting it was to watch. It was pretty back and forward. I agree. Um, I don't think going into the game, people would expected to would have expected Dallas to even have run the Vikings that close. Uh, excuse um, me, speak for yourself. <laughs> well, as an Eagles fan, I, I hope going into the game that they wouldn't run them close um, but obviously they came out of it and uh, with the win it seemed to turn into like a fourth quarter shootout uh, 28 of the, the 31 points um, sorry, 28 of the total points uh, came in the last last quarter as opposed to 31 from the three other quarters so uh, it got quite exciting, obviously we mentioned Adam Thielen, he had a pretty good day for the uh, for the Vikings Going for uh, eight, eight receptions, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Justin Jefferson as well with 86 yards and a touchdown. Uh, having the two of them must be great. I know Kirk, we didn't rate Kirk Cousins that high. Well, I didn't rate Kirk Cousins that highly in the quarterback rankings. Um, but it makes his life easy when you've got guys like that to throw the ball to. Had a passer range of 140. Good. He had a ridiculous day, 314 yards, 22 completions, three touchdowns. He, he had a very this, good day. He can do this, though. That, that's the problem with Kirk Cousins. He he's often, cut. but he can do it. He yeah. can put up Patrick Mahomes' numbers, just not on the consistent level of Patrick Mahomes. That, that's that's the only problem with Kirk Cousins. And if yeah. this game was played four hours later, uh, he wouldn't have been very good because it would have been in prime time. No, it would have been prime time. Exactly. Um, that would have been prime Obviously, as you say, it was the battle, battle of the running backs. Dalvin Cook, 115 yards, touchdown on the ground. They also had five receptions for 45 yards through the air. Um, and then Zeke has finally broke his drought and had a 100-plus yard game. Uh, and he obviously got himself a receiving touchdown. And was still outshone by Tony Pollard's 42-yard rush for a touchdown, um, which made Ezekiel Elliott look weak. Good old Tony uh, P. But yeah, thought the as much as it pains me to say it, I thought the Cowboys looked very good. Nice to see, well, it's not nice, but for a Cowboys fan, it would have been nice to see Andy Dalton back, steady the ship a wee bit. Uh, he put in a good performance as well, to be fair to him. Uh, 200 th- a bit yards, three touchdowns, obviously yep. through an interception, but it didn't make a difference. The last thing I will say on this game, and then we can move on, uh, and it's the only stat I actually have this week, but it's quite an ex- <laughs> It's quite an amusing one. Uh, Andy Dalton's two-yard pass to Dalton Schultz was the first touchdown in NFL history where the passer's last name was the exact match of the receiver's first name. Oh, well, there you go. That That is an interesting <laughs> Most start. Most random start ever, but there you go. Andy Dalton Jeez. to Dalton Schultz. <laughs> that, yeah, oh, first, first time it's ever happened in the NFL, but I thought that was quite amusing. Yeah, I, I suppose when you think about it, there's not that many names... That are you know first and last names, especially in uh, American football. Is there not a wide receiver called uh, Roethlisberger Jones now? Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call Macker Roethlisberger and have him catch a touchdown from yeah. Big Ben. Or a quarterback just coming through if who's if you can have a child, name it Roethlisberger and get it to the NFL, and Big Ben's still playing. I'll be impressed. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just quickly, as I say, just before we move on to that game, I think in our QB rankings, that's why I had Dalton as high as I did in the mid-20s, because I think he's a really solid QB, and it's just shown you 
I think when you've got solid quarterback play there for the Cowboys, just like you had with Dak at the start of the season, when you've got solid QB, that team's actually quite good. Uh, and I think they could make a push for that weak NFC East. Sorry, Kyle. Uh, Kyle. Sorry, Kai and Kyle. the Eagles fans. I was mixing Kai I, and I don't Eagles even think it's a, I don't even think it's like a question of whether they'll make a push. I think they have more of a chance of winning it now than the Eagles yeah. do. Looking totally, at schedules. Totally like, agree. Um, Eagles, the Eagles won't Eagles win for four weeks. Wins and a tie. Eagles are on three wins and a tie, and the rest of the division's on three wins. This this has just went from, oh man, just someone please win it because I can't be bothered with it, to this is now, in a way, the most exciting league in the, 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 the most exciting division yeah, in the NFL. Yeah. I know that, I know it's just, it's, it's, a, I am, I'm all in. I'm all in in this division now. I'm really liking the way it's shaping up massively. Well, two teams that I'm all in on. Didn't like this, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Green Bay Packers at the Indianapolis this Colts. The, the, Ad, the Adam Bowl. The Adam Bowl, exactly. Yeah. And to be fair, I still haven't written too much about it because I, as a Packers fan, I don't really want to talk about it too much. Um, Indianapolis Colts won uh, 34 points to uh, 31 uh, after overtime. Um, I, I don't really want to talk about it. The Packers were well ahead uh, going into going into the, the, the second half. And then it wasn't Aaron Rodgers' fault, but basically Aaron Rodgers had to just sit and watch the whole second half as the Colts had a 14-play drive, a 10-play drive, an 8-play drive uh, and just came back into the game. Um, In the the second half and overtime, the stats are as follows. The Packers scored three points from a total of 161 yards and had 11 minutes of possession. And the Colts scored 20 points on 220 yards and 21 minutes of possession. So they had double the possession in the second half. It was a really great performance in the first half from Green Bay, but the second half was all about the Colts. And this Colts win um, meant that uh, the 2020 season now joins only the 2015 season as the only seasons in the NFL history in which a team has overcome a deficit of at least 13 points to win in each of the first 11 weeks of the season. Someone's done it every week. Every week this season, someone's overcome a deficit of at least 13 points, and the only time that's happened before is 2015. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Do you know how long the the stretch went in 2015? I don't know that off the top of my head. But uh, I'm sure if well, that's not good enough, Adam. If that's it, not good enough. Well, I'll be honest. I'm only just copying the stat <laughs> that Adam Schefter tweeted. That's all. So <laughs> the, Frank Wright coached the hell out of this game. That second half was just genius. Time management, clock management. The looking looking at the full landscape of the game, that the Colts were definitely worth their win. And obviously, big Rodrigo Blankenship with with the dub with the walk off uh, field goal to win it. Yeah, in the heart for you, wasn't it, Mikey? I mean, I'll put him in the conversation for rookie of the year. I'm not even kidding. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. The guy's an actual machine. I'll be honest. I predicted. I'm just jumping forward to our predictions here. I predicted the Colts to win, and the reason for that is that the Green Bay Packers are too easily bullied, in my opinion. If you play against uh, a decent defensive line uh, I think they're able to get through the Packers offensive line um, and put pressure on you and the Indianapolis Colts offensive line is really good as well 
and we just don't put enough pressure on the quarterback. I think see when really in the trenches, that's what the, they like to call the the, the, the defensive and offensive lines that in there. I think the Packers can get bullied, uh, and I think that's what happens. See when we play a really good team, I think the Packers struggle. We'll easily beat. In my opinion, I know we didn't last week against the, the, the Jaguars, but the bad teams, I think we can easily beat them uh, with our flair. But I think when it comes down to the real tough stuff, we struggle. You'll agree with us, Adam. Obviously, in the in the off-season, we were crying out for a wide receiver in the draft and we didn't take one. And that was the biggest talking point uh, for the Packers fans. But when we play le- when we play lesser teams and we beat them, the, li- the likes of Lazard and even Tonyan to an extent and Marcus Valdez-Scantlin, they'll go off and everyone will think, oh, see, we didn't need that. We didn't need another wide receiver. But then when we come to these crunch time games where you need that out and out wide receiver too, we're struggling. Like that, there's no other doubt about it. And that's, those are the games, those games are the reason why we needed a, a second wide receiver in the draft to partner Devontae Adams. Because you can, you could bring in anyone who could probably have a, any NFL wide receiver who would maybe have a decent day against lesser teams. But once you get into these big games with the likes of the Colts and, uh, other teams that will probably play in the run in, you're gonna struggle when you're when you're when you've only got Devontae Adams and then to a lesser extent wide receivers. Yeah. I say like especially against someone like the Colts. Like when you play a very good defence, you can't rely on one receiver to do all your work. You need to have quite a reliable um wide receiver too. And I think you, you, I I don't obviously I don't know what how you guys would have seen it, but I kind of felt quite sorry for Valdez Scantlin. You mean, you mean Marquez fumbles fumble. Scantlin? Is that what you mean? <laughs> obviously, he was the one that gave up the the fumble that resulted in the field goal in overtime that that won the game for the Colts. Um, but the one thing I did notice just from watching this game, kind of small note, and I've I've just gone to try and find the exact number. There seemed to be a, a heck of a lot of penalties. Um all in the same kind of plays. I think it was towards the end of the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I thought it was really harsh for the refereeing crew. Uh, a lot of them were on Indianapolis. Uh, and I they think were, they had... There were a lot of holding calls. And see, at that yeah. time, they weren't really holds. And at that stage no. of the game, I feel we've got to let them go, in my opinion. They, they ended up with uh, eight penalties for 116 yards. Yeah, I, I felt it was quite like, harsh. I, I, I think you've just kind of got to... Like you say, especially at that point in the game, just if it's kind of if it's blatant, yeah, caution. but a lot of them weren't blatant. Um, no. Just a quick shout out before we move on to Sunday night football. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, the one we could decide to bench you. Thanks for uh, going for ninety yards, four receptions, twenty four, uh, twenty four yards to the uh, on twenty two attempts. Especially after we'd been told that he wasn't going to feature as the running back, and they were going to give most of the carries to Naeem Hines. So, so thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I not that it changed anything, but. I relied on it uh, come uh, the Dynasty League and put Naeem Hines in and he had a stinker. Yeah. So that takes us on to Sunday Night Football where the Kansas City Chiefs played against the Las Vegas Raiders and what I can only imagine would have been an amazing game if the fans were there, but obviously yeah. uh, not happening. Kansas City ended up getting some revenge after early on in the season. It was 35 points to 31. Um... Yeah, a really close game. My one stat for this game is that the Kansas City defence has really improved since about the second half of last season. Um, but so far this year, excluding the Raiders, the Kansas City defence is conceding about 17 points a game. But against Las Vegas, they're conceding 35 points a game. 
So I think that kind of shows you that Las Vegas is actually quite good. It's just like kryptonite for the Chiefs. I am, uh, I'm loving the Raiders this season. I don't know what it is. I, I've never been a big fan of them in the past, but uh, the way that we've, we've spoke about it in the past is that that kind of old-fashioned punch-mouth kind of football, it's just um, it's a breath of fresh air in kind of the modern current league. Uh, I'd love to see them make the playoffs, especially their kind of first year in Las Vegas. Uh, I love that folk, we spoke about it before, I love the fact that people are calling their stadium the Death Star. Um, just, yeah, there's, there's just a, again, as, as similar to the Chargers, there seems to be a bit of a feel-good factor. I know they lost this week. Uh, there seems to be a feel-good factor with the Raiders at the moment. Um, probably unlucky that they're in the Chiefs division for the next 10 years with Mahomes in charge, but um, I'd, li- I'd like to see them make the playoffs this season for sure. Yeah, I think there's a strong chance they will as well. I was going to say, I don't know what it is about them, but I just I just can't quite seem to take to them. Um, at the end of the day, like you say, it's, it's just personal opinion, but I, there's just something about them I, I don't quite like, um, and it might well be that they they are quite an old-school team. Yeah, I like um, the old-fashioned football, properly just run, I, run, I, run, and then throw it deep. I think it's amazing. I, I just I don't find them that exciting to watch, um, and I think that's 90% of the, the reason why I started watching NFL was because I found it exciting to watch. Obviously, over time, you start to appreciate how good teams can be by just grinding out games, uh, and I think that's probably what, what the Raiders can be good at at times, is just finding a way to win. Um, obviously, the Chiefs were just too good for them. Uh, on Sunday night, I must say I think uh, if we get to the playoffs, I think Andy Reid will be happy to play any other team in the AFC. I think he'd fancy his chances against the Ravens, against the Titans, against the Colts, against uh, the Bills. I really don't think he'd want to play the Raiders because I think this Raiders team matches up quite well against the Chiefs, and I think there's a chance if you got to the playoffs. The Raiders off game. Yeah, the Raiders could easily do it. The the one thing I like from this is that this seems to be the kind of rivalry for the next couple of seasons in this division. It, I know I said the Chargers are probably could make a, a big playoff run in the next coming years, but you think that the Chiefs and the Raiders are going to go toe and toe toe to toe against each other um, and really battle it out because these games are, as we said, kind of punch mouth uh, in your face kind of football and when you've got such an explosive offence like the Chiefs and just that no-nonsense D from the Raiders, it's, it's it makes for very entertaining football to watch. Yeah, it was good to see as well that the Chiefs weren't hugely reliant on Mahomes. I knew he passed for 350 yards nearly, but in terms of touchdowns, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire got a couple and Bell got one. Um, I think it was good to see uh, Edwards-Alaire uh, get those rushing touchdowns because he'd done a lot of rushing for not a lot of touchdowns so far this season. But... Uh, but yeah, it's good, good for him there. And again, obviously, Jacob's on the uh, Las Vegas side getting a touchdown as well. I, th- I just think these are two good teams. And I think they'll both get to the playoffs and do fairly well. The Also, mm. the receiving yards leaders for this season. DeAndre Hopkins is on 912, wide receiver. Stefan Diggs, 906, wide receiver. Travis Kelsey in third place with 896 yards, yeah. tight end. Yeah, unbelievable. The guy is a different breed, and especially with um, with Kittle being out this season, like the full attention on the tight ends are is on Travis Kelsey. In tight end rankings, he's first in catches, first in receiving yards, first in touchdowns, first in catches per game, first in yards per game. The guy is just an absolute monster. Yeah, he's a cheat code at tight end for fantasy. 
I think we said that last week as well was we were talking about like the drop off from him in fantasy to the rest I think that's him to the rest of the tight ends. It's about eighty eight, ninety odd points, I think, something silly. Yeah. Um he's he's always good like every week for for at least twenty points at tight end. Yeah. Uh, which when you can have that is is crazy. Um the one thing I know always we always like it is he, he threw a pass uh, for four yards the other night. Um yes. we always like a an outfield an outfield player. That doesn't <laughs> really all, make sense. They're all outfield players. Um <laughs> Now I'm imagining someone standing on the goalpost <laughs> trying to like, block kicks and that. Um, no, we we always like a non-QB throwing a pass. Uh, so there's another one for this week was Travis Kelsey throwing one. Yeah, uh, but I say I thought it was a very good game, enjoyable game and a nice Sunday night game. And another game that actually was surprisingly good for primetime telly was the LA Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, where the Rams won 27 points to 24 and my stat is that Brady in prime time this year is now one in three. He's not very good. No. On prime time telly. What's going on? Both the rushing games are non-existent here. Thirty-seven yards from the Rams and uh, forty-two yards from the Buccaneers. Um, but the passing games: Goff threw the ball fifty-one times. Brady threw the ball forty-eight times. There was nearly a hundred pass attempts in this game, um, for for nearly five hundred yards in total. Um, on Robert the, Woods, yeah, and Rob, Cooper Cup, yeah. combined for nearly three hundred yards receiving. Yeah, uh, and did I put Robert Woods on my bench? Yes, I did. Yes, uh, typically. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, uh, the kind of threesome of Brown, Godwin, and Evans, you know, had most of the targets and most of the receptions uh, for for Brady. Um, are they trying to force the ball to Antonio Brown, or is he just? Better than Godwin and Evans, I think. I think they probably give him the ball, or or it looks like Tom Brady looks to be trying to give him the ball more. But I think part of that is probably because over the past couple of weeks since he's come in, it's become very apparent that he's a reliable guy to throw the ball to. I'm not saying Chris Godwin and Mike Evans aren't, but he's maybe just got that wee bit extra at times where if he's in tight coverage or he, you know. Uh, he, he seems to be able to break out of it a lot better. And he can. Um, I th- it's obviously like a reliability thing, isn't it? See, if you're a quarterback and you know you can throw the ball to the guy nine times out of ten, he's probably gonna uh, come down with it. I think you're more more inclined to give him the ball. Um, yeah, I think, but it, it's, it, it's not in any way saying that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans haven't done anything to warrant it. They, the two of them got the touchdown. So. It's AB's reputation preceding him. Like you, you know, he's nine times out of ten he's going to be open, even if it's just for a short pass. He's he's going to be open. And I, on the other side, I loved this game. I thought it was brilliant. And um, the the yards after catch from Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, I think they lead since the start of two thousand and nineteen. They both lead the league for first and second in yards after catch. Um, but I think one of the main talking points, and we we touched on them last week, is. Jalen Ramsey, he's he's put himself into the conversation for defensive player of the year. The guy has just been against the Seahawks and the Bucks, who are high-scoring offenses. He's been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, and another point that the commentators kept talking about in this game is that Aaron Donald was relatively quiet in terms of actually contacting the quarterback, pressures, tackles for loss, anything like that, or sacks. But um, 
it's the fact that they're triple teaming them. That teams are genuinely having to triple team Aaron Donald to keep him contained. That and that's just going to leave other gaps open. And that's why one of the big factors that the the Rams won this game. Um, just a, a a really good kind of similar to what the I, I felt like it was almost like a, a Raider style performance that the Rams were very punch mouth in this game. I know they went running the ball a lot, but they were play, making a lot of big plays on D. Um, and just again, I think I spoke about it in the group chat. That Tom Brady, when he loses, does not go and shake a quarterback's hand. He's, he's a bit sour, I Aye. think. He's done, he's done it against Nick Foles. The, the traditional go to the middle of the field and shake hands. He walks straight through the tunnel and Nick Foles was standing there with a, a Bears personnel or whoever it was. And he was kind of looking about and saying, like, where's, where's Tom Brady? I want to shake his hand. Happened out this time with Jared Goff. Tom Brady went straight down the tunnel. The only losses where he's went up and shook someone's hand has, has been Drew Brees this season. But I don't know. I, I, I don't like to see that. I, I think you should win or lose. You should be out there and shaking the... the I don't know if he's got bad blood with Nick Foles, obviously with the the Super Bowl, but he's got every reason to shake Jared Goff's hand after after Monday night, and I, I just don't like to see things like that. No, certainly not. I think Jared Goff had a very good game on Monday night, and I know again we keep coming back to this quarterback rankings thing, but it's quite a good thing to reference to see how poor we we predicted some of them. Um. I don't think I, I well me personally I wasn't very high on Jared Goff because I don't think he's the most razzle dazzle quarterback in the world. But razzle dazzle, um, I've not heard that phrase for a while. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There's a podcast. Um, I've got excited saying that now. A podcast new razzle dazzle. He's not the most razzle dazzle quarterback in the world, but it's become very apparent, especially over the past couple of weeks, that he compliment like this offense and him complement each other very well. Like you've said, Mikey, Sean McVay compliments Jared Goff and vice versa really well. Like the Rams are are very good within their own right, I think. And I think Jared Goff is very good at just working this offense. He knows who he can get the ball to to um to get it moving. He knows who he can get the ball to to get the touchdowns. Um, I I, I mean the the Rams have a tough tough running. Um, they play. The 49ers, they play the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Jets. So there's two wee layoff games, and then they finish with the Seahawks and the Cardinals again. Um, the fact they need to play the Cardinals twice in the last five weeks of the season probably See, uh... is quite a big one. But with the momentum that the Rams have got and the way they've been playing recently, I don't think you can rule them out. No. I had to go back to the I had Jared Goff at number 11 in the, the quarterback rankings. I. And a higher level to cut cousins, like when he's playing bad, he's bad. We've seen that against the Dolphins, but when he's playing well, again, he could potentially be MVP caliber if he keeps up a, a level of consistency. But the Rams are now the number two seed in the NFC, and they'll be gunning for that number one seed, like 100%. Their, their D can carry them through. They've got weapons on offense. Like I, I said at the, the start of the season that I was all in the Rams, but not to this extent at I honestly don't see why they can't make another Super Bowl run this year. There's, there's no doubt about it in my mind. Yeah, well, these are definitely two uh, playoff teams, so they might meet each other again. You never know. Yep. Um, that's all the games. Sorry. I was going to say the other interesting thing that came from it was um, the uh, Rams play. I can't remember his first name, Fuller. can't remember his first name. Um, obviously, he had two interceptions. His first two interceptions as a rookie was selected 199th in the draft, the same position as Tom Brady 20 years later. Oh, that's a wee um, bit of poetry there, isn't it? 
there's a wee bit of poetry going on. So the exact same position and and he's first, sorry, the exact same position in the draft twenty years later, and in their first game against each other, he picks him off twice. Yeah. Um, but there's, uh, there's just one thing I want to ask, not in, in relation to this game, just as the NFL as a whole. Obviously, at the start of the season, Russ was the kind of favourite for MVP. Like, who are you guys picking right now if the season was to end for MVP? Put uh, simply, I have no idea. I don't think there's been one standout performer. Has Patrick Mahomes flown under the radar this season? Like, to me, he is now like MVP. Like, there's no other. There's no doubt in my mind that he's he's the MVP. You say f- flown under the radar, like. I think he's just doing what everyone knows he's more than capable of doing. It's you always look for someone in an MVP season to go and do something magical that you don't expect of them. I think, or you expect them to be like, I don't know. I think I think the bar is so high with Patrick Mahomes because you know how good he is that actually what he's doing this season is unbelievable. But it's not out with the realms of possibility for him. But I think you're right in the sense of if if you were to say he was the MVP. I don't think you can argue. I don't I'm, think you would. I'm just looking I mean, at the, the statistics here. One. I'm looking at the statistics here, and I'm thinking to myself, is this actually right? Apparently, he's thrown 261 passes, 27 touchdowns, and only two interceptions. That it's sounds madness. about right. And I think either one or both of those interceptions came in that first game against the Raiders that they lost. Or maybe what did he throw one against the Jets potentially? But um, the the guy is as as Kai said, he's he's playing to his normal levels. But his normal levels have won him an MVP, a Super Bowl, and a Super Bowl MVP. So I don't see right now if the season was to end, he's my MVP for the time being. I, I don't think it can go to anyone else at the moment. I mean, I'm I'm not going to even uh, put that in as a outlandish claim because I mean that's just a normal claim, isn't no, it? No, no, yeah, that's that's a Patrick Mahomes claim, which is very normal because of how a, a bog is. standard statement to make. Yeah, so far, I, I so far, that so was far quite this a... season, yeah, 27 touchdowns and two interceptions so far this season. That was quite a surprising question you asked there, Mike. It took me by surprise, but I think, yeah, I, I think, think Mahomes I, I is probably, think probably the favourite at the moment. Yeah, if he keeps up that, he's thrown for 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, and two interceptions. If he puts it up to, we've got what, just under half the season to go. If he goes to 5,000 yards, even 40 touchdowns. It keeps the interceptions around five. I don't see why not. Yeah. Um, that's all the games. Perfect. Mikey, are we doing our little uh, normal playoff, playoff predictions? Thing. We have. I'll, I'll rifle through it quickly um, just to go through it as we normally do. So I'll do the NFC this time first this week. Oh, changing it up. Eh? The exact same, exact same seven teams. There's obviously just been changes in the, in the division standings. So... The Saints are now the number one seed. They replaced the Green Bay Packers, so they get a first week, uh, first round bye. So you've got the number seven Arizona Cardinals at the number two LA Rams. Rams for me. I'm taking the Rams there. Yeah. So, Kai, your opinion is moot. Um, then we've got the number six Bucks, Tom Brady, at number three Green Bay Packers against Aaron Rodgers. Um, I changed my mind after I saw us get bullied by the Colts and I think the Bucks might bully us. I'm going to stick to the Packers just like I did in the predictions this week. I'm taking them again. Um, so the Packers. And then the number five Seahawks 
at the Philadelphia Eagles. Is there a question? Even ask the question. <laughs> Number five ranked Seahawks go through. So I think see if have... you are sorry if you're any of those teams that aren't winning the division like you want to be getting the number five seed because yeah. <laughs> you play one of those nfc east teams and whoever yeah. plays them you've you've won essentially the, the people want to try and mathematically win games in order to get that number five seed in the nfc so do they do they make sure they don't win the division do they make sure they tank, like drop tank for eagles tank for <laughs> I, think, I think it would be it, there will be teams for cowboys there will be teams looking to get to get the fifth seed instead of maybe the third seed because the third yep. seed playing against the sixth, you know, is going to be a harder game than your fifth seed playing against yeah. the fourth. Definitely, there might be some match fixing going on with some teams trying to lose in the last yeah. day. So we've got a, a matchup that I don't think we've spoke about yet: the number five Seahawks at the New Orleans Saints. Good matchup. Ooh, that's a good game. It's a good game, and I'm going to go with the Saints. Yeah, I think by that point, if Drew Brees is back, I think you go Saints. Right. So the number one Saints go through. Uh, and then we've got the number three Packers in LA against the Rams. Rams. I'd pick Packers if we got there. See, I'm, I'm in LA as well. If it was in Green Bay, I'd take the Packers, but I'm taking, I'm taking the Rams. So, NFC Championship match, the Los Angeles Rams at the New Orleans Saints. I think Sean McVay's brain would win that, and we'll go the Rams. Uh, yeah, I think the Rams I'm also take going Rams. So, yeah. we now have a New Super Bowl contender with the LA Rams. So the AFC um, this week, the Titans and the Cleveland Browns are in. The Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins are out. So the Steelers, again, as always this season, have a first round bye. You've got the number seven Raiders at the number two Chiefs, Adam. This is where I think the Raiders might do it. Uh, I... This is, the, this, the, this is the only I, game I, I, I can see. Say... I can see the Chiefs losing I can, I can see it going either way like you say Adam I could see it going either way I just think at the moment I think you can't write off the Chiefs no, I, I think can they understand have, that I, I, I think they probably just have too much for the Raiders on their day but like you say it could go either way so the Chiefs progress number 6 Cleveland Browns at the Buffalo Bills Buffalo Good Bills God. I've just realised the Browns are in the playoff picture yeah. the Bills the Bills for me Bills. please <laughs> And the number, <laughs> a very interesting game, I think. The number five Titans at the Colts. Whoa. I think Derek Henry is going to run all over that D. Oh, my voice went there. Sean, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, I, I'm going to take the Titans. I would go Colts. Uh, I just think the, the defence of the Colts is too good. I don't think they do what the Ravens did this week and let the Titans bully them. I agree. I think the Titans' defence is just not good enough in that game and defence wins championships, isn't it? Is that not what they say? So, so I'd go, with, I'd go the, with the Colts. The top four seeds progress, whereas in the NFC it was the first, second, third and the fifth as the Eagles fell out. So <laughs> Unsurprisingly. Colts at Steelers. Oh... Some of these are hard this week. Yeah, the NFC is the hardest one. I think the NFC, you've got your kind of seven teams that are going to make it. Maybe the Eagles, maybe for someone else in that division, but that looks pretty set in stone. Whereas the AFC, you've got people chopping and changing about matchups that are so hard to to predict. So at Steelers, I think probably the Steelers. I think I'm taking the Steelers. I think I think the Steelers, especially with them having had a week off as well to rest up. I was going to say that. And you've got a good matchup: the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Chiefs. Yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs. I, yeah. I, I would love to see the Bills get there because I, I do like them and I think Josh Allen so, has done very well. But yeah, Chiefs. Chiefs at Heinz Field against the Steelers. Chiefs for me. I'm also taking the Chiefs there. It doesn't matter what I say. Good, because I can cop out and just not say anything. <laughs> so, the number two seed from the AFC faces the number two seed from the NFC. Chiefs versus Rams. Who you got? I'm going to go out there. I'm taking the Rams. I'm all in on the Rams. I, te- I tell you something, by the way. See if that's the Super Bowl. I think it would be a cracker. I'm taking the Rams. I think they've learned from their previous Super Bowl mistake. They're not just going to put up three points this time. I'm I'm taking the Rams. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chiefs. Chiefs I I'll that. leave Kai the deciding vote because I think Jared Goff will no. crumble, throw three interceptions, and the Chiefs will win the game by about twenty points. I think what could be the downfall of the Rams is that they don't have a solid running back one. They have three running backs and a kind of committee and they don't really have one that stands out and could go and take a game to someone. So I'm going Chiefs. So Chiefs. I'd rather see the Rams win it, but I think the Chiefs would. So for the last three weeks, we've had Chiefs winning the Super Bowl um, against the Rams, the Steelers and the Packers. No, the Chiefs, Steelers, that doesn't count. The Rams, I think the Seahawks and the Packers. So Chiefs won our last three and then the, one of the first ones we did was the Seahawks versus the Steelers, and the Seahawks win. Oh, how times can change. Oh, On yeah. record, I don't want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl this year. Nor do I, but I think there's a strong chance they will. Yep. Uh, so are we moving on to predictions now, Mikey, are we? Yeah, so. Yeah, great, that's a two-minute warning then. Can we get this over quite quickly? Yeah, I'd, no, I'd like to savour this, if that's all right. I, that's <laughs> also a, a shocking week for anybody not named Adam. Yeah, well, you know, I, I knew one week eventually I'd come back. Are you want to take those five bonus points off me yet? Please. I'm going to say, you are now right in the thick of it, Adam. Yeah. Right in the thick of it. Um. Well, let's start with Thursday night, you know, because typically I'm really good at predicting Thursday nights. So... Uh, Seattle beat Arizona. Yes, Adam, you won. Oh, did I? Oh, did you two get the right? You, we had the Cardinals. Oh, right, okay. Just check. Let's check the next game. Washington beat yes, Cincinnati. Adam, you won. Did, did any of you get that? No, Adam. Okay. Nope. Uh, let's miss the next game where I got it wrong. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Saints beat the Falcons. Me and Kai both had the Saints. Yeah. Uh, Finally. I, I hope we all said Pittsburgh would beat Jacksonville. Clean sweep. Yeah. Uh, Houston uh, beat New England. Yes, Adam, you won again. And the two of you didn't. Oh, well. Right. No, Adam. Uh, let's not talk about this one, because I don't think I got this one, though. Uh, Cleveland beat Philadelphia. Yes, Mikey, you had the Browns, <laughs> just you. Uh, Carolina beat Detroit. Um, I know Kai says that his second favourite team in the NFL is the Chargers, but looking at these predictions, it's 100% alliance. <laughs> There's no doubt about every it. Every week he picks a big fat zero. Yes, I don't know I why had, I took the Lions this week. You had the Lions on the first time Matthew Stafford has ever had an offensive zero points for his team. I am um, not picking them again. Yeah, me and Adam had the Panthers and yeah. PJ Walker. Uh, Tennessee beat Baltimore. Adam, again, with the win. Yes. Well, see, I tell you, I'm good at these sometimes. One week out of, what, ten. Um, the Chargers beat the Jets. Uh, I had the Jets. For some reason, 
I was yeah, so. I actually forgot you'd done that and I was expecting yeah clean sweep chargers there. Sorry that yeah. took me by Adam surprise. Had, uh, had the Denver beat Miami. Clean sweep, but the wrong sweep. We all had the Dolphins. What about Dallas at Minnesota? Dallas yes, won. Yes, Adam. Did I pick the Cowboys? Right, hey, come on! I don't normally get to do This is the side of Adam that you are, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> I've had eight weeks of being totally destroyed by you, so give me yeah. the one week. Um, Green Bay lost to Indianapolis. You both. I, I've actually mistakenly wrote that Adam and the Colts had the Colts when really it was Adam and Kai <laughs> had the Colts. Um, I'm pretty sure the Colts probably had the Colts as well in this. Um, I took the Packers because when I was looking at your predictions, I was the last to put mine in. I seen that the Packers were sitting there with nobody on them, and I thought, I'm wearing a, a, a Green Bay jersey just now. I had to pick with, uh, stick with them. So, yes, Adam and Kai and the Colts had the Colts on that yes. one. What about Kansas City, who beat the, the Raiders? Clean sweep for all of us for yeah. the Chiefs. And the Rams beat the Buccaneers. My dearly beloved Los Angeles Rams, I had predicted them. You two had predicted Tom Brady and the Bucks. Good effort. <laughs> so, so, what are the scores on the doors? For the week, the Colts have one point out of one. Well done to the Colts for picking themselves. Well done. Kai in third place with five out of 14. That is pathetic. That is less than half. Even I don't get less than half. That's nearly less than a third. Me just one above you with six (laughs) out of 14. And Adam with 10 out of 14. Good. No swearing. Guy. I said good grief. Good, good, so that means that the in fourth place, the Colts have one out of 129. That's good. They're now going to be in our rankings for the future now that I made that mistake. Adam in third place with 75. I'm getting there. Kai in second place on 77. Oh, well, oh I've pulled that back, haven't I? And oh. me, just like I am in ESPN. Just like I am in Sleeper. Just like I am in the predictions. 81. Out of 129, four ahead as it stands in first place, but it's getting out close. That in ESPN and in Sleeper, someone else also has the same record as you. But are they the number one ranked team? Is there a way? Is there a way? Is there a way on Discord? I'm just able to just mute Mikey. Is that gonna? You can. I'm pretty sure you can remove people. Oh, can I just chuck them out the the chat? Oh, that's where. Finish this podcast the way we did the the last week's podcast. Haters are going to hate. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, quickly, let's touch on Thursday night games. We know that Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh aren't going to play because, you know, COVID and all that. But there are still two other games that are happening tonight, which uh, someone someone said <laughs> someone said that <laughs> that the NFL have tried their best to discourage social uh, gatherings mm. by putting these two games on the television on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I think I probably agree with them. So you've got the three and seven Texans against the four and six Lions. Do we even have to I ask Kai? I, I am taking the Texans here because I think they win because I think the Lions are honking and I bet you this is the week the Lions win. Well, I'm going to take the Texans as well. I'm also going to take the Texans. I think the Lions are missing Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Swift. Um, the Texans are missing Randall Cobb and they're missing, uh, what's his name, other wide receiver that's not Will Fuller. Kiki Cootie? No, he's in. It's Wilfred and Kiki Cootie. Brandon Cooks? The, uh, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb are both out. So is David are Johnson. The Texans, are the Texans missing Deshaun Watson? No. I will take the Texans, yeah. Um, and the other game is uh, an NFC East matchup. 
the Dallas Cowboys three and seven at home to the Washington Football Team, who are three and seven. What this do you is think? in Dallas. It's in Dallas. Yes, as it always is on Thanksgiving. And Andy Dalton is fit. I'm going to take the Cowboys. Kai's Kai, grimacing. Yeah, that's, you should see Kai's face here uh, <laughs> on the screen. He's really not happy. Having to I take a tie. Team. I mean, technically <laughs> you, you can, can take a tie predict if you want. a tie. And see if, you, see if it is a tie, I'll give you 10 points. I would, I would happily right. give him 10 bonus points. Yeah. I'll take a tie because I don't want to decide for either of these teams. Right. Right, okay. We have a first tie. There oh, we go. Yeah, so that's an automatic L for Kai already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, this is really tough because I like the Washington football team. I like Antonio Gibson. He's my boy. Um but I think the Cowboys are quite good, especially with Andy Dalton. So Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to change my decision. I, I'll take the Cowboys. All right. I think no one. Well, I'm taking the Cowboys as well. So we've got two sweeps. We've got all of us taking the Texans and all of us taking the Cowboys. We all support those Texas teams then on Thanksgiving Day. So, uh, And thankfully, um, just quickly before we end, the game that was cancelled tonight because of COVID was the very late game for us here in the UK. There was talks that they might push some of these games further back because they're on at half 12 and half 4 uh, over on the East Coast in America. But they haven't moved them, so that means they're actually on at tea time and uh, and then at half 9 here. So we can actually watch the games without staying up to a stupid o'clock. Love it. Which is much appreciated. Thank you, NFL, for doing that for your British fans. Um, I don't think we've got anything else to say, do we? I think that's us for this week. And uh, yes, aye. Happy Thanksgiving to the American folks. Yes, happy Happy Turkey Day to all you people over there. Oh, I and um, I've totally forgot what I was going to say there. No mind. Let's finish. (laughs) All I'm saying is I can't wait to see Zeke biting into a big old turkey leg tonight. Is that a private video, Mikey, or is that going to be public? Yeah, he does it on Cameo. Oh, right, okay. Well, I think we're going to leave that right there. I don't want to know what other videos Mikey's requesting from NFL players. (laughs) Thank you for joining us, you two. See ya. (laughs) Thank you. And we'll see you later. Bye. Roll the credits.